the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is The Boys of Tech, episode 297 for Monday the 29th of September 2014. My name is Edwin Herman. I am joined by my co-host, Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Howdy, hi. Well, what a weekend it's been. In Auckland, here in New Zealand, we hosted Digital Nations for the second time. The de- debut was last year. Well, uh, talk about a little uh, <laughs> little story relate, somewhat related to that a little bit later on the show. But kicking off with a major bug known as Shellshock. Now, remember when Heartbleed came out some months back? Yeah. That was a big thing, right? It was a very big thing. Users had to go and change all their passwords and we had to wait for confirmation that their service providers have, have uh, updated OpenSSL, et cetera, et cetera. It was a huge exactly. impact. Mm. Had massive impacts because it allowed somebody to, you know, man in the middle <laughs> pretty yeah. much mm. all um, transactions and internet traffic that was supposedly secure. Well, there's a new one out now which uh, is being labelled bigger than Heartbleed and this is called Shellshock. It's a security flaw in Bash. Now, for those of you who don't know, Bash, uh, also known as Born Again Shell, is a program that lives in most Unix-based systems, including Mac OS X, and provides a command line interface. It's one of many command line interfaces available and it's a very popular one. Yeah, an incredibly popular one. So uh, this bug in uh, in, in in Bash has been around for how many years? It has been out well for at least a decade. It's been it's been there for a long time, right? And it's yep. only just been discovered. It's only just been discovered because somebody's only just now looked at that part of the code. Yeah, and looked, discovered that something was a little squiff. So unlike Heartbleed, users don't need to go around changing passwords. Unfortunately, it still means that users need to be vigilant and be very careful what they do because their uh, machines and certainly their servers could well be vulnerable. Well, yeah, yes and no. From what I have seen about what the, the actual flaw is, somebody needs to actually have access to the machine first. Somebody needs to have a prompt. But once they have a bash prompt, they can then run whatever they want. But can't they anyway? I mean, once you've got a prompt, you can do anything you want. Well, no. You know permissions, user permissions. Just because you've got a a shell prompt on a machine does not mean that you can, for instance, you know, CD over to the exec directory and run whatever you want. Oh, so what you're saying is they can do anything as root? They can do anything as if they were admin. Right. That's the point of it. But they still need, from from everything I've seen so far, including an example of the, the floor in action, the, the perpetrator still needs to have shell access on the machine. So mm. as long as your security around getting access to a machine is fine, then you yourself are fine. But if you're in a multi-user situation, multi-user scenario, like a lot of web hosts and other you know, server hosts out there who provide command prompt access 
to their machines for people's accounts, it does open them up to having their machine taken over. Yeah, that's actually a very good point you, you make because on shared systems, I mean, let's say you and I both have websites hosted with a company, with the same company, and we happen to be on the same server. Now, I could, in theory, log on to that server with my username and password. I could do an SC, open an SSH session. I could take advantage of this shell shock bug in Bash and then through that get access to your data. Indeed. And, uh, and that, vice, is the, and vice that versa. is the true power mm. of this. That is, that is the, the, the true effect of this is in those multi-user scenarios. For your mum and dad, you know, using their Mac at home, um, this isn't really going to significantly impact them. But all of the, the web hosts out there running, you know, Mac OS X server, um, then it is going to, to impact them. Just on that Apple thing, because Apple have come out, that's a, it is a big question. A lot of people are saying, well, look, I know that, you know, Macs are built on BSD, a, a version of Unix, if you like. It has, but in fact, it, I'll tell you right now, Brent, my shell on my Mac is Bash. Uh, and so people might be wondering what's going on here. What's, is it vulnerable? And Apple have come out and said the vast majority of OS X users are not at risk to the recently reported Bash vulnerabilities. Indeed, Bash, as I said, you need to have you need to have shell access to utilize this floor. And for the vast majority of Mac OS users sitting at home on their Mac Pro or their iMac, they're not going to have that issue because nobody else has shell access. So in general, Mac users don't panic. Indeed. Certainly, though, you should the people who should be, I guess, somewhat concerned are what customers of shared web hosting companies, customers of shared web hosting companies, internet cafes, uh, people using Mac OS X servers, um, any Unix servers. They will all be clambering for the latest patches, and a lot of the different Linux distributions um, and Unix distributions have already put out patches for this particular bash bug, and we're waiting for um, Apple to do the same. So Apple at the moment, uh, as far as I'm aware, unless they have done something very recently, uh, still don't have a patch out to fix this bug, which exists in their OSX server environment as well as... Apple have actually said that they are working on it, as many as other vendors... Hope. Well, as you'd expect, <laughs> yeah, and as a lot of other vendors are as well. Indeed. Uh, Brett, the are other... all their developers still, you know... Um, just coming off of finishing their work on the iOS patches. Yeah, actually, well, <laughs> I know. They've just been redeployed for this now. Hey, look, we'll talk about that in just a sec. But also the other, I think, example that uh, uh, we can throw in the mix there as well for people who ought to be careful is uh, people using shared Unix computing platforms such as at universities. That, yep. you know, a lot of universities uh, will provide a, a shared computing platform. A lot of them are Uni some of them are Unix anyway, and uh, especially in certain disciplines. Exactly. And of course, for those, and you know, a, a student with malicious intent could go around stealing the papers from all of their classmates and handing them in. Yeah, because they'll have <laughs> effectively they'll have root access on that box. They'll have access to everyone exactly. else logged so onto the server. All of those, all of those um, universities and their systems will need to be jumping up and down to get these things get these things secured. Wow, this is a bit of a shell shock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's amazing how there's long there's been it's... a lot put up, but you know, for the vast majority of people, it's not going to impact you. Your your regular mum and dad is um, internet users are not going to be impacted at all by shell shock, whereas they were impacted by Heartbleed. 
Mm, that's true. Although it is harder, it was harder, uh, a more challenging attack in Heartbleed than it is in uh, Shellshock. But as, but Shell as you say, Shellshock is a, a simple piece of code. Yeah, run three on, lines, yeah, I think. They, the, the three lines, I think. Three lines no, of code. That's that. The examples that I've seen. Have you seen lessons? Have they got it down to less than three lines now? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Anyway, let, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Apple's iCloud security uh, vulnerability because claims are that Apple knew about this, uh, about the vulnerab- uh, a, a vulnerability in their cloud system six months before the, uh, c- I think they're calling it Celebgate now, when, mm. where, where the, uh, the images of, uh, of celebs were, were stolen. So one of the security researchers had reported a vulnerability to, to Apple. Yeah, in March of this year. In March this year, that's right. Ibrahim Bellick, based in London, he's a software developer. He contacted Apple and went through and was engaging in some conversation and Apple would come back and ask for more information. And there was a there's an email trail, if you like, or a, a conversation trail. Uh, yeah, of, of the this. backwards and forwards of Apple coming back to him, asking him different things about this this mm. method, but they did not actually put out a patch for it that's until right. well, Celebgate. Yeah, although Apple say that's not related to that. That is what Apple says, but the methods used, as far as I've seen in the reports, are incredibly similar. Yeah, I think it centres around the, the lack of throttling on brute force attack. Indeed. Specifically in the find my phone feature. Yeah. Which allowed you to, you know, fail your password check as many times as you wanted without kicking you out, without notifying anybody. Yeah, which they've now obviously, I think they've addressed, we talked about that last time, but it was interesting to to note that, you know, well, Apple were alluded to, to this six months before. Mm. Now, uh, also, <laughs> it's been a, a bit of a, a hell of a week for Apple. iOS 8.0.1 was out. It introduced a whole bunch of bugs. What did it do? It stopped uh, some software from working. Uh, Third-party <laughs> well, keyboards most didn't importantly, work. it prevented your brand-new iPhone 6 from connecting to your cellular network and making calls. Yeah, that, that was a big one too. And stopped you from logging into it because it broke Touch ID as well. Yeah. So it, it kind of was a bit of a, yeah. It was a shockingly bad... <laughs> <laughs> update. In fact, it was more, more bugs. It introduced the, more bugs than it fixed, most right? affected were the brand new phones that were supposed to be designed, you know, specifically around yeah. working with iOS 8. So what's news this week? News this week is that iOS 8.0.2 is now out. It addresses those. And we, there's been lots of reports now that this seems to be working so far. So, so far, so good. Yeah. So far, so good. 8.0.2 does not... <laughs> Turn your phone into a i nothing, <laughs> an i brick. Indeed, yeah. Your iPhone into an i brick. <laughs> well, they moved on that pretty fast, didn't they? But of course, they had to. Oh, indeed, because it impacted their brand new flagship product, and the number of negative stories coming out about the iPhone six and iOS eight, they had to do something. They could not let their broken eight oh one update stay in the wild no no it'll be a bad look mm-hmm. well it certainly hasn't been a good week for apple mm, certainly not 
It isn't their week. <laughs> hey, Brett, look, let's, let's leave the episode there, but we will come back with one New Zealand story right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, as I mentioned, Digital Nations, the gaming and technology expo was held in Auckland over the weekend. We we're hoping to get a report from someone who was there. Unfortunately, I'm having trouble getting hold of them, so we won't have that report. But I don't know if you spotted in the news, there was a little bit of a backlash over NetGuide's booth. Now, NetGuide, by the way, is the the uh, magazine that for people who know nothing about computers can buy and it tells you what a computer is. I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but it really does. It kind of dumbs things down. I, I, I bought the first few episodes and then thought, oh, episodes? Did I just call them episodes? I think I called yeah. them episodes, didn't I? You did. <laughs> I've got my podcast hat on. I bought the first few uh, issues and thought, you know, this is really, you know, well below the level I should be aiming at. So, I've, did, I've I've never looked at it since. But anyway, it is a magazine. It's, I don't know how popular it is, but it's a magazine here in New Zealand. And anyway, the, the point is they had a booth at Digital Nations and they had some booth babes, as they're called, some t- two lovely young ladies dressed in bikinis. Indeed. And it, it kind of backfired, though. And that's attire that has not been acceptable at a, a tech convention since the mid-90s. I thought they all still did that. Well, not all, but didn't, didn't E3 and all that still do that? No, no. They Well, they still have booth babes, but they are more discreetly dressed. And generally, they're not really booth babes. They're quite often actual employees of the development house or the, the, the company that's there. They just happen right. to be the people. <laughs> As opposed to NetGuide. Who- at at, at um, tech conventions these days... All the women in attendance are not generally the ones employed to just be there and look pretty. Nick Guide, of course, they decided to go down the route of having two women dressed in blue bikinis. And Indeed, they decided all. to go back into Neolithic times and have some people <laughs> there dressed in fur loincloths. Well, Nick Guide has come out and they've said, our apology is for being naive, insensitive and continuing stereotypes that shouldn't exist. We've got pants and t-shirts on now, plus we won't be repeating that mistake. So that was on the first day. I think <laughs> Who made the decision in the first place? Crying out loud. I don't know. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think they, it was... Did they watch a YouTube video of one of the, you know, first E3s in Las Vegas and go, ah, oh, so that's what a booth is supposed to be. You're supposed to house, hire some models and have them wear very little. Yeah, look, I, I think it was one of those things that, you know, it was either going to be a real hit and it, the thing that everyone was talking about or it's gonna, it was going to be a flop and there'd be a backlash. And unfortunately from... Nick Guide, it was the latter. Indeed, because that sort of thing is unacceptable and has been unacceptable since, you know, since the 90s. I mean, you know, even some, it's interesting because you would think, oh, it would be the women that were, only the women that attended that might be offended by that. But no, there are some guys coming out saying things like, uh, well, here's a tweet from James Cardno. He says, as a really hard out gamer, I don't like knowing that these retailers clearly think that I'm gullible, desperate and shallow. So it's not just... The girls that didn't like it, a lot of the guys that went to the you know, to this to Digital Nations thought, well, that was you know a little bit bit cheesy, but unnecessary. That's because the majority of, majority of geeks aren't Neanderthals who would think that that was an acceptable display. Well, there you go. There's a, a lesson to be learned if you 
considering a booth at one of these things now, you know, this, you don't, don't, don't do that. Well, once again, I think it's just a, they, uh, whoever decided on that really has not been around for the last decade because it's been well, unacceptable for ages. All I can say, and I might be being a bit harsh here, but all I can say is it's probably a reflection of the magazine. I don't like the magazine, as you can probably tell. Well, because <laughs> it was aimed too low for you. It's aimed at the general public. Not, yeah, not but no, I, I think, no, okay, no, let, let me go into a little bit more detail then. Not just, because I don't want to come across as arrogant and, you know, oh, it should be aimed at the, you know, the, the tech savvy only. That was just one thing. There are other things. There were, there were a lot of the stories went to very, very little detail and I don't mean tech detail just very the articles were shallow a lot of them had a number of mistakes and just didn't quite you know things that didn't quite line up I wish I could dig out these I probably still have some issues kicking around and just read you some of the stuff that honestly it was it was almost like trying to make an article out out of without any substance I, I just yeah oh okay so it it does sound like they would be the type of people who would put girls in bikinis in their booth at a tech <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, they may have to be, you know, I, I guess, uh, to be fair, maybe they've changed, I don't know, but the magazine at the time was very much like that. It was almost, it, it was almost amateurish. There you go. So there's a difference between not being technical enough and being amateurish. And I, I don't want to get those two things mixed up. It just was very... I Indeed. found it was it very isn't a amateur. Peer-reviewed journal. <laughs> what are you saying about peer-reviewed journals? Well, generally their content is of a um, slightly higher calibre. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were implying something the other way. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, there we go. Let's leave it there, Brett. Thank you very much for co-hosting episode two ninety-seven with me. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right, we'll do it again next week. Until then, take care. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Goodbye. Ciao.